0: From the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi.
1: I love the smell of night pump in the morning.
0: I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On the X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a
1: harumph out of that guy. Up and a
0: what we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms, treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi.
1: I said what I said and
2: I'll
0: stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson.
1: You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not Run saying anything.
0: Rocky LaFleur.
2: Yo, Adrian! Houston
1: Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. Well, are raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased him off with a broom.
2: All right, it says you're recording us, Rocky.
1: Yep. We are being recorded. All right, so it's live. All right, are you all ready? Yeah, here's the way one. you want to
2: do this. Here, opening take one, five, four, three. Rock and get it and then begin. Just that little cap <laughs> right there will get you. You with me?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, all Paul, right. you
2: do
0: the lead in.
1: Just do it. Just do it the first time. Look, don't make it exciting because – the opening music and introduction is already exciting.
2: Okay, I'll just make it me. All right, opening intro, take one, five, four, three. Welcome to the On the X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. This week we have our inaugural, very first podcast brought to you by DuckSouth, featuring your moderators, myself, J. Paul Jackson, Houston Kennedy. And Rocky LaFleur. And that's no good because I don't know Josh's last name.
1: Josh that's Webb. excited.
0: Josh Webb.
2: Something like that, what you got in mind, Rock?
1: Yeah, that sounded good, except the moderators.
0: Sounded good, just yeah. like co-host. Yeah. All right. Take two.
1: Five, four,
0: three.
2: Welcome to the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. Hi, I'm Jay Paul Jackson, and I'll be one of your co-hosts along with Rocky LaFour, Houston Kennedy, and Josh Webb.
1: Hey, J-Paul.
2: Yes, sir. Is that hey,
0: what J-Paul. you had, Mind Rock?
1: Yeah, that sounded great. Let's do it one more time. All right.
0: All and right. then we're going to continue go. on from there? And then we're just going to continue yes. on from there. Yeah, we're going to continue there. All right, so the there. first topic? All right.
1: So we're going to talk who, about us I think we should give the audience a description of who we are and then who we are as a group, you know, how, I don't know, a little background history of us, how we got to be friends.
2: Can I say a little bit in this opening about the podcast itself, what the purpose is?
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: All right, cool. Cool. All right, so when I finish – Uh, I'm going to say, unfortunately, we couldn't have Josh with us this week, but Rocky Houston, how are you guys today? Yeah, exactly. You You
0: do it. Rocky, you go first. Don't say this week. Just say today.
2: How are you guys today? Yeah. And then then Rocky will go first, and then from there, we're just going to roll. The only other thing we need to set aside right now that I see is somebody needs to have our subjects and bring them up. And um, I think Houston would be the best one for that. So if we okay. you know what they are and Houston doesn't, Houston, if you've got a notepad, I think we need to tell him right now.
0: My right in front can of say, me. I got it.
2: All right, where Houston can say something like, hey, guys, let's start out today by talking about. Yeah. And then we'll just go into Good. discussion. And then, <clears throat> when, and then when we wind it down, one of us – if 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 somebody feels strongly that we've gotten to the point where we've exhausted that and I'm gonna leave that to y'all and not me, if you you know, if he, Rocky or I feel that way, we could say, Okay, Houston, so what do you got for us next? If Houston feels like we've got it worn out, he can say, Okay guys, well how about we move on to this? You know, I'd also like to hear yeah. what you think about or whatever. And so let's just try to to go smoothly. And let's try right. and not spend we want this to be about a thirty minute one, right, Rock? Yes. Right. How many subjects do we have?
0: One. We got two subjects and about us. So truthfully, we probably will do uh, about us and one subject.
2: Well what are the two subjects plus about us?
0: Um, probably Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go, and then the Republican National Convention. We're not gonna talk about duck hunting at all. No, no. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about hunting in general when we talk about us. That's kind of the hunting for this one.
2: I think we need to have, like, some hunting topic in there anyway.
0: Follow me. You yeah. Tell me what you
2: Well, I think that we ought to, you know, talk about... i um, the I'll tell you a good one that I just read an article about today. And um, is the frameworks... You know, this year for the first time in history the US Fish and Wildlife Service, the Blotley Council Lab, changed the way that they set the frameworks for the duck season. Normally they come after the May Pond counts, but this year they um established them in March.
0: Before okay, cool. Let's click on years and counts occurred. And, and and I yeah. can I,
2: I can I can talk all about that. So okay, let's do it in this order. I'll do the opening. We'll uh Rocky will come in first, you know, um, how you doing, J-Paul, whatever. Houston, come in, you know, and then Houston, since you're going to kind of be the moderator guy, you know, uh, you could say something like, guys, I think we probably ought to start out by, you know, tell us. Introduce ourselves. (laughs) Our back, introduce ourselves. We can go back to Rocky, and Rocky can come to me, and then I can say, all right, Houston, that's about us. Tell us about yourself. You can tell us about yourself and then when you say that you can wrap it up in some phrase and then when you wrap that wrap it up in a way that me and Rocky know you've wrapped it up, you know, one of us can say, Okay, so what's the first topic you got on tap for and this should probably be Rocky.
0: You know, I'll lead straight right, you... into the framework deal.
2: Yeah, or let's start this week, whatever. Let's let's move from there into the framework and then we can go to Pokemon and and we can go to um Republican RNC and
1: Don't make it don't make it look like you set up though. Don't don't I won't. Don't worry the, about it. Just so, say, hey so, man, did you see how they did you see how they did the season framework for duck season this year? That's exactly what I was gonna say.
0: Okay,
2: that's perfect. Well y'all know about that. I got the lead in and let's get it flowing. Hopefully I'll hit it right the very first time here because we can't be doing multiple takes every week. Or we'll be doing it forever. So um, let me uh, – I am go. going – I know we can't drink or eat while we're doing this. I am going to get a, a bottle of water where I can mute my phone if I need to get dry and need to take a drink.
0: Totally fine. Oh,
2: and it's just a bottle of water. It's not tonic water vodka it. Don't worry. Although Rocky did suggest I have a few drinks before we do these.
0: <laughs> <Still> I like here. Let's do it. All right.
1: All right. Don't, don't be daxing like that. I will drive to my shoals and kick your hiney.
2: That's right. That's right. Quit being grumpy, Grouch. Okay, folks. <clears throat> Take three. This is going to be the one in five, four, three. Hey, folks. Welcome to the On the S- <laughs> Hey folks, hey folks. Welcome to the On the X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. dot Week, I appreciate you coming along for our first time around and joining myself, Jay Paul Jackson, and my co-hosts Josh Webb, Rocky Lafleur, and Houston Kendi. Unfortunately, folks, this week Josh couldn't be with us, but I do have Rocky and Houston along, so. Rocky, Houston, how are you guys doing this week?
1: Jay paul what's
0: going on?
2: Man, I'm so excited about this new format and having you guys here. I think that this will be the best podcast out there, not only for waterfowlers, which of course fits perfectly along with the DuckSouth.com site, but also just you know to be able to talk about some general stuff each week, uh, every time that
0: we do this, that
2: all of us think about on a day to day basis.
0: I know I would rather listen to a hunting podcast and hear the same songs on the radio every single day at the same time when I go to work.
1: Yeah, um, I mean look well, look looking in the mirror and pointing at it every day telling talking about how good of a person I am is getting old, so I'd rather <laughs> talk about hunting.
2: Well you know guys You're here along with us this week for our first time around, but our goal here is to bring you as much information about waterfowling as we possibly can, but also to to keep you entertained along the way and to to go over some thought-provoking concepts uh, and topics each week. Hold on,
1: hold on, hold on. Jay Paul, I Mm -hmm. saw you in South Dakota when we hunted one time. Before we went out hunting that morning, you were looking in the mirror. This is where I got it from. You were like, I'm good enough. I can shoot good enough, and doggone it, people like me.
2: <laughs> well, you know, man, every now and then you've got to do something to help your self-esteem. And I tell you, Rocky, you know, why don't we start this thing off so people know who we are uh, by, uh, you know, particularly for you, allowing you to talk about your favorite subject in this world. Why don't we begin by you telling us a little bit about yourself, and and then Houston, you doing the same. Okay.
1: Well come on, Rock. You've never I, I been think, bashful
2: about talking about yourself before.
1: I think everybody kind of knows the story about how Mike and I combined forces back back this this winter. And guys, you got to excuse me. I've got a bad thunderstorm outside. But Mike and I decided to come together to. Duck South was in a bad position. The site had gone down. It's a very, very popular site. They probably I think you've been on there for a while. And I've been a member I'd
2: for 10 years.
1: i had been a member since 1999. And anyway, the site went down back in January, and I called Micah. Micah and I grew up together, best friends, our whole life. And I said, look, just... I know you're busy with medical school and getting your new practice established because now that's, that's what he's doing. And anyway, we worked the details out and duck South, kind of what it is today. We added the new homepage and I, I think that, you know, the feedback that we've gotten so far has been really good, but as far as myself, I've owned Mossy Island Outfitters since 1998. Been involved in guiding. Love duck hunting. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. So this show, if if the if the majority of it is talking about duck hunting, it'll be an easy thing to talk about for me. But I'm married, have three kids, live in Morgan City, Mississippi, and that's about all I can say. As far as I'm, me, I don't, I don't. You know, one of the things you're going to find out by doing this show is I hate talking about myself. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> and that really is true. I, I was saying that tongue in cheek, but Rocky, you brought up something really good there. I mean, you've been doing the guiding deal since 1998, so obviously that made you very well qualified, not only to to being Micah's best friend, take over. Duck South and I think you've done a great job to this point. Pretty much everybody that I talk to agrees that you have resurrected what was once a great site from the dead and brought it back and you know hopefully we're taking it to a place even beyond that. But only a true duck hunter could do that. And uh I think that's the important thing and uh really excited about talking about some of these hunting things. That we don't get to talk about when we're together because you do know a whole, whole lot about it, but Houston, how about you, brother?
0: Well, uh, start out with kind of simple: live in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. I am married and I have an eight month old and he's teething right now, and it is wicked, so <laughs> being able to get away and talk about jockey on this podcast is awesome. um, how I met Rocky. For my current job that I'm in now, I was a bank teller, and there was this thing hanging above where his sunglasses were in his vehicle, and I used to see him. like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Man, that's a mallard curl." And I was like, "Shut up, whatever." And he's like, "No, this comes off the back of a mallard," and he showed it to me, and I was like, "Man, I've never been duck hunting. I've only been deer hunting." Man, I've got a guy business. that's about four and a half hours away, and so over the next, you know five or six months, we roll around in September. And he's like, yeah, I want you to come go with me one time since you've never been before. And so I call him up. It's it's the last week of the season. He's in his old job as a working some in a restaurant. And he gives me directions to Mossy Island Outfitters. And this is how he says it. You're going to see a Walmart on your right. a little bit further past that. And then you'll see a sign that says something about Edavina, And just take a left. And then just look for my sign on the right. All right, so I've never been to the Delta in Mississippi ever in my life. Okay, so past Walmart, it's eight miles. Then you take a left, and you go down that road another four miles. You take a slight bend, and then you go another five miles, and you just see this little sign that says Moss Island Outfitters on the side of the road that has like one bulb on it. It's like a miracle that I even saw this thing. On the road. I'm laughing
2: because I'm laughing. I'm sorry to interrupt you because the first time around to give folks a, a good middle picture, he did the exact same. And didn't you feel like when he said, I'll oh, just go a little ways past the Walmart, take a left, you know, uh, where the sun says it'll been in, you know, you'll see my sign, like it was just right around the corner from that Walmart store?
0: Oh, I mean, like I thought, like there's Walmart and there's Pizza Hut. I'm fixing to take a left, but
2: you know. <laughs> What did you think about that first duck hunting experience?
0: Well, that's kind of one of the basics of everything is I I was a terrible hunter. Um, I broke all the rules, and I'm surprised that we're still friends today, but he's taught me a lot. And so I'm sort of the newbie to this as kind of being somebody that's learning about duck hunting. Now, if you want somebody to find out who owns a piece of property, where you live, or anything for of a technical analysis, I'm the guy. So I have people in my area call me all the time, man. Hey, there's a duck spot over here. Find out who owns that. Let's see if we can get a place on it. And so I do all the technical analysis, and then I try to learn from everybody I hunt with. So that's kind of where I am. Probably been duck hunting maybe four to five years. Uh, my prize duck's obviously probably a mallard, but we killed a. Canvas bag bull one time at Rockies on some fish ponds, and that was a blast. So that's where I am. So, Jay Paul, tell us a little bit about where you are right now.
2: Well, you know, I think a lot of the
0: people on the side already know me. I've been a
2: professional dog trainer for 20 years now, along with my beautiful wife, Melanie. And I have three daughters 16, 20, and 22. So, about to be an empty nester before long, but um, I've been duck hunting. I can. My first duck hunting memory is been, was on Real Foot Lake when I, I was probably six years old. You know, my dad carrying me into a spot on his back, and my first few trips were with a BB gun with me along the way. My grandfather, a lot of people don't know this, owned a boat dock at Real Foot Lake, and so he guided there, and my father guided there, and then later on I even did a little bit of guiding on Real Foot, so I'm a third-generation guide. Um duck hunting is just in my family's blood. I mean it's almost a, a genetic thing. All of my girls have been in the duck blind quite a bit with me and I love it when they go. And for me waterfowling really isn't just something that I enjoy, it's a way of life. I cannot imagine uh not having duck hunting as part of the year for me, you know. So you know, I'm about as hardcore about as as it gets. Of course, with the dog training, that falls right in line. And then I've never really thought of myself as an expert when it comes to ducks. But, you know, thanks to Drake Waterfowl Systems, a few years ago, I got to uh, got the opportunity to create a TV show called Drake's Migration Nation and host it for six years and travel all around the country. And I think one of the things I can bring to this and to other waterfowlers is I've seen a lot of people do a lot of different things to kill ducks not all of them good not all of them successful but but it's definitely made me a better hunter and uh you know I lo- really like sharing those things and and we're going to do that here during the podcast you know about me specifically lifelong duck hunter dog trainer going to keep doing it uh family man and I think that uh you know, duck hunting for a lot of people, it's just like it is for me. It's not just a, you know, a hobby or even a passion. It's a way of life. And
0: that's right. That's absolutely um, I love right.
2: That. You know, and the cool thing about about this group—Rocky, Houston, Josh—we'll let Josh, of course, uh, next time, tell us a little bit about himself. Sorry, can't be here today. Is, you know, for for our listeners. This is a pretty decent mix, and we're going to be inviting other people in a long way to talk to us about, you know, not only duck hunting, but also current events that all of us, you know, find pertinent to our lives, uh, whether it's about waterfowling or not. But you've got, when you take a look at the waterfowling community, I mean, duck hunting is something that is highly addictive. You You know, I love the little thing, give a man a duck and he'll eat for a day take a man duck hunting and he'll go bankrupt, you know, because we all have put
0: so, true. so much.
2: Oh, yeah. And you're that guy, Houston. I mean, you're the guy because, you know, guys, I've known Houston now for a few years. We actually, I actually met Rocky um, about five years ago or so at Mossy Island Outfitters where he was letting us use his lodge, which is a pretty cool place. If any of our guys there in Mississippi you get a chance, Morgan City you haven't been by, you need to stop by and check out you know, Rocky's Lodge is pretty neat. But we were filming there, and um, we got to talking about some other business stuff and found that we were um, very like-minded. And he brought up Houston and said, hey, I've got this friend that up until recently had never, I don't know if he'd ever even shot a shotgun in his life, and now he's just all about duck hunting and dogs. And he's got this dog that he needs help training. And so, you know, that's how I came to be. With you right. two guys, but I mean, you're that guy that just gets involved, and you know, gets addicted. Rocky's the guy that for him it's a business. He's doing it commercially there, you know, and, and guiding people at Mossy Island Outfitters. And then you know, I'm the guy that was, I mean, I'm I'm third generation guide. I've had it, you know, I gosh, Lord only knows how many duck calls I still have from when I was a kid. So hopefully you know, for for our listeners we're putting together a mix that can give you guys insight from several different angles. And uh you know, Houston, I think you had a, a, a something you wanted us to talk about. Why don't we start off here by uh talking a little bit? Did you mention the, the flyway framework or the hunting season frameworks?
0: Yeah, they were we were talking about uh, we were talking about an article that came out how they decided to choose the duck season. Before the hatch numbers were released this year, isn't that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've I read. Rocky, um, I, you, you set you have to set up your um, guide service there based on duck seasons, and, and it, the way it's always occurred in the past has been what you'd usually find out when in August for the state of Mississippi. <laughs>
1: Can you hear me?
2: Yes. Yeah, you still
1: with us, brother? I am in the middle of the worst thunderstorm. I should have figured the first podcast that we record, God <laughs> would release all of His fury down upon us. I hope I, I hope this is not a bad sign for us. But anyway, it is. It is flooding rain right now, and I kind of put my I put my mic on mute where I was hoping that everything that I wasn't hindering the recording of the podcast. So, but yeah, yes, I mean, this, my deal with my guide service. You asked the asked the question about setting up the dates. Uh, you know, when it comes to setting up my dates. The first days that I always fill up as a guide is January, and anything, well, from actually Christmas till the end of January, and you you pretty much know that duck season is going to last until the last weekend in January, so it makes it pretty easy for me as far as filling dates. I try not to hunt a ton of people in early December, so...
2: Well, and you just hit on uh you just hit on why this occurred. So, you know, in the past, Houston, you were asking about why on the frameworks earlier before we began. Uh, okay. in the past it has been the policy of US Fish and Wildlife Service and the Flyway Councils to set duck season every year after taking um a couple of things into account. The second one always being the May pond counts. They wanted to have an idea of the number of ducks in the spring and and what breeding conditions are like um, for those ducks, to have an idea what the hatch is going to be and to project duck numbers for the fall following that based on that. So, you know, a lot of people call it the breeding count. Um, they're looking for breeding ducks during that pond count. But the problem with, with that model and the way they've always done it is for guys like Rocky I mean, you just alluded to it, Rocky. It had an economic impact on you because you couldn't book hunters, really. You, you could safely do it after Chris, from Christmas on because you knew that duck season was going to be open in Mississippi during that time. But you never, you know, if a guy wanted to book and he couldn't come during that time period and he wanted to book and say early June, you couldn't do it with confidence because you didn't know the season. So in response to, you know, so feedback that they got that, hey, it would help and have a positive economic impact on waterfowling as a business, if we knew the frameworks earlier, um, they decided to adopt a new system where they still are looking at the May pond counts, but they're looking at the pond counts for May in 2016. To set the framework for the 2017 uh, season, 2017-2018, they're they're using it and putting it a year out. And what did doing, what did
1: they say? What did they say about the numbers in the article?
2: Well, I, I've actually looked at two or three different articles. Everything, every indication, uh, when the pond counts began back in May, the numbers haven't been released yet. But every indication was that we were going to have a strong hatch this year, that numbers were going to be good, probably not as good as last year's record numbers, but uh, we were going to be well above long-term average, according to everything that I've read. But, you know, I I did in particular see, I think it was um, an article that Sportsman Channel had on their website where there was the caveat, but, you know, the potential uh, for, you know, things were starting to dry up a little bit. So there is a but there.
0: But um, so that was be my question is, okay, so I hunt in Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi. What do the hatch numbers mean to me? Obviously, more ducks, better. I mean, everybody gets that, but what is there a specific number sure. that they're trying to achieve that, have, that causes something to happen that makes hunting better?
2: Well, first of all, you got to take a look at, at how the framework is set up to begin with. You know, um and and there's lots of evidence to support this. I, of course, you know, for seven years I was a retriever editor for Delta Waterfowl National Magazine and had the good fortune to get to talk with a bunch of their biologists um, to learn a little bit more about it. But basically, you know, this year we're going to have a liberal season in the Mississippi Flyway. That means 60 days and six ducks. Now, you can have Hey,
1: whoa, whoa. Did, did you did you say we were having a liberal season?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Liberal no, go no, ahead. no! I'm
0: just no.
1: kidding. <laughs> no, liberal season liberal doesn't season. start
0: until this week. At the hey, a better definition. We can talk liberal,
1: about the orange. No, we talk about liberal the Facebook season. friends that, that, that need to be taken out.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but go ahead, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you're gonna have a
2: sixty-day season, brother, because it's a liberal season this year. No, hey, seriously, Rocky, <laughs> sixty days, six nuts. Liberal season. Okay, what the science tells us is that. You know, when we've got really, really good duck populations, um, duck hunters aren't going to have a tremendous effect on the overall population. There are other things that, that affect, you know, breeding pairs and what happens a whole lot more. Obviously, one of the biggest is climate drought. Number two, you know, predators and, and nesting success can be affected by a lot of things. But the bottom line is, uh, it's a pretty well-known fact that when we got lots of ducks, we're above what they call the LTA, the long-term average in the duck population. We're not really going to hurt those. And so based on that we're in that kind of cycle, it's pretty safe for them to go on and set the season in March, you know, because they've got a pretty good indication that uh, we're liberal. It doesn't matter. They're, if they mess up, it's not going to have that big of an effect on the overall population. But what I thought was interesting, particularly um, there was an article that I read at the Tree site, you know, that pointed out that they have left themselves an out. If what I believe will happen is if we see duck numbers start to really fall, particularly if they get down closer below that long-term average, like we had, or, or well below it, like we had in the late eighties and, and early nineties, which, you know, we had, I can remember um, when I was in college, a 30 day, Three duck season here in the Mississippi Flyway, and, and when numbers get that low as hunters, we can affect the overall population. So I, I think if this was done, the framework was changed in response to economic concerns and to try to help the overall economy in the waterfowling industry. But at the same time, you know they've given themselves an out. It doesn't. By no means are we probably always going to have it done this way. At some point, they can go back and change it again if they feel like, hey, wait a minute, before we set the numbers, we don't need to go on last year's pond count for this year. We need to go on this year's pond count for this year. And they've given themselves the ability to do that. So, you know, particularly for business guys in the industry like you, Rocky, um, and and for anybody that's a planner, hey, I I think this change, you know, Houston, you love to plan in advance and be organized.
0: Uh, Oh, my God.
2: Yeah, so this is a really good idea, I feel like. It's going to have a positive economic impact, and yet from an environmental, from a conservation standpoint, it appears that they've given themselves an out, and I really think that someday we may see that exercised. I just hope it's not tomorrow.
0: And give them credit for trying something new, you know? I mean, everybody you know, likes to beat them up because we can only kill six ducks and only do certain things, but at least they're trying something new to try to help out the hunter's kind of plan ahead and be able to enjoy the oh, sport more. So hats off to them for that.
2: Yeah, and no doubt. And another thing that influences this too, you know, is they've recognized those things that you just pointed out. You specifically asked a question that um, none of us did answer. So what is it the breeding ground and the May pond count and stuff mean to you down here? Um, another big change that's occurred within the last decade or so is today – um, largely in part to CRP programs and programs like that, you know what we consider the duck factory or the the prairie, uh, prairie Canada and and the U.S. Um, here in North America, for the first time, you know, about ten years ago, the United States exceeded Canada in duck production. For years, Prairie Canada was the duck factory. The majority of ducks were hatched in Canada, but as farming practices have changed, and of course, um, there's Alice, the uh, alternative land use program that that you know Delta's introduced that we're trying to get some traction um, in Canada. But there's never really been anything like CRP, so you know Prairie Canada. Um, lost a lot of habitat, a lot of potholes. Of course, a lot of that's happened here in the United States, but today we're having more ducks hatched every year in the United States, particularly South Dakota, North Dakota, um, that area in the United States. We've exceeded Canada for the last several years each year in duck production.
0: Wow. You're talking about liberal earlier. Has anybody seen that picture on Facebook? It's a picture of Donald Trump that says vote Trump. I'll extend the duck season an additional five days. I've been feared like ten million times. But,
2: no, no, that wasn't the liberal that I was talking about either. But but the, you know how it affects us is we're down here, so most of our ducks now are, are you know, we've got a mix coming out of Canada and the United States. Um, for the U.S. duck hunter, what those things mean is hey, if you've got more ducks being produced in the prairie Pothole region of the United States than in prairie Canada. You know, I would say that means for us as hunters here in the States that our hunters getting be- hunting is getting better. And that duck season, and I've seen this with my own eyes, people go, well, man, I used to go to Canada, and we would just stomp them in September, but we're not doing as good. Well, right, there's one. You know, ducks that are produced in the United States pretty much migrate south from the breeding grounds, and you're not going to see them in prairie Canada.
1: And when those ducks leave Canada, they they go down the Pacific Flyway, the Central Flyway, the Mississippi Flyway, and the Eastern Flyway. Correct? That's correct. I mean, they go. I mean, they branch off four different ways, right?
2: Well, you know, you can take a look at migration patterns. I've studied this just a little bit because I've hunted from California to Maryland, and of course, you know,
1: Prairie Canada
2: and all through the United States. There are. Nesting areas, if you take a look, uh, DU's got a really, really good map somewhere on their site, and we probably ought to to try to find this, put something about this there on Duck South.
0: Um, I'll link it up.
2: Yeah, there, you know, ducks bred in Saskatchewan, or ducks produced in Saskatchewan, you know, they make it to the Atlantic Flyway, the Central Flyway, the Mississippi Flyway, um, some to the Pacific, but not so much so. You know, you can take a look at the breeding grounds, and you can see where these birds are going. Um, Another interesting thing, you know, with the liberal season, did you guys know that in California, the season this year will be 107 days, and you can take seven ducks,
0: and all of those could be mallards? That's right. I saw it. Right now, one of the hottest areas, is it close to Sacramento, or is it? Or is it Northern California? I couldn't remember which one it was, but they're talking about they have so many ducks in California.
1: Must be well, Northern California.
0: Sacramento, North California. Sacramento is in Northern California? <laughs> hey, we aren't geographers here. Geographers. Are right?
1: geographers. I love that.
0: Geographers. I love that. <laughs> I can't believe you let like, What blind. did you go to school
1: for? A geographer? I'm sorry. I,
0: that
1: was hilarious. Whatever.
0: Shut up, Rocky. <laughs> Favorite line, shut up, Rocky.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, listen, Houston <laughs> at the end of the year is going to pay everybody $1 for every time he either says shut up, J. Paul, or shut up, Rocky. So.
2: You know what? We've got a hen out. jar. I'm, I'm down here in the studio at, at Tiger Tail, and we've got a hen jar here. Uh, I'm going to make a shut up, Rocky, and shut up, J. Paul jar. And... Uh, you know, he can contribute to that every time. But Houston, you are right. Uh, it's Sacramento area and Northern California. Um, excellent duck hunting. I've had the opportunity to go out there and do it. And it has become a really neat uh, waterfowling destination out there. You know, what, what's interesting about it is a lot of people don't realize it, but they grow a lot of rice. And when you're duck hunting out there, um, really? it's mainly mallards and pintails. Oh, loads of rice. Loads of rice. Um wow. Man. You'll be if you go into that area there in the in the Sacramento River Valley, uh, you're gonna see a whole lot of rice produced. The thing that sets oh, at times you'd think, Man, I'm riding through Prairie, Arkansas, and then all of a sudden you come up to a vineyard, you know, or to or to uh wherever <laughs>
0: you've got uh
2: olives, you know, in this orchard. You know, <laughs> who grows olives in Arkansas?
0: I don't know anybody. Maybe like moonshine.
2: I like to eat them yeah Yeah, they're really good Uh, anyhow um, you know you'll be there and the other thing is the mountains you know you'd be laying in a rice field and you'd almost think you're in Arkansas except you look to one side and you see the Sierra Nevadas with their snow caps and you look to the other side and you see the coastal range and you go yep we're not in Arkansas anymore but it's very very similar hunting different season and the reason they can have those different frameworks uh, 107 days goes back to what you just said. Hey, you know, do they do all ducks go the same corridor? Or do they branch out? And most of the ducks um, that they get in California, it, the breeding grounds that they come from, they only migrate to that area. They don't branch out. And you know, you've got huge state, big expansive area, not nearly the pressure and a population that they know a whole lot about. So, you know, that's the reason it can be different out there. Um,
1: the uh the, the the reason the reason that I asked that was, you know, when when we were in South Dakota together, we got to witness one of the rarest events of all and it was the main part of the migration coming down the flyway and there were literally thousands upon thousands of ducks and there were ducks if i remember right j paul that were falling mm-hmm. from way up high when they would see a spread of decoys just oh, yeah. I, I, I guess just to take a break get water we were next to a next to a pothole you know the mate but those guys from from northern skies outfitters that we were hunting with they said look this is a rare event you're seeing the main part of the migration Go south. But you
2: it, know, it was. It, it goes back it to what I was saying earlier. So the northern skies, guys. Matt Shower and, and his group. Um, you know, they're all biologists. I mean, Matt himself. I think he's the only guy that he's the only one in his group that's not a biologist. You know, all the. Other Is he guys, a geographer? He's not a geographer. I don't know. He ought to know a lot about geography because he chases the dead gum ducks from Canada to Louisiana. So yeah, I hope he knows a little bit about geography. But the, the, all right, so he let me let me lay a little background for for our listeners here. So two years ago, Rocky and I go to um, for some reason. I don't know. I, I don't remember smoking crack, but I must have at some point because I invited Rocky to go with me to South Dakota. But anyway. <laughs> We went to South Dakota in November of 2014, and if you take a look back at the weather then, during that first week of November, there was like a 50-degree temperature shift. I mean, you know, daily... No, no, hold on,
1: hold on. Let, Let me set this up. I fly into the Omaha Airport, Omaha, Nebraska. I land at the Omaha Airport, and it is 76 degrees. J-Paul had to drive because he's pulling a, a dog a dog trader to South Dakota. So, J-Paul picks me up at the Omaha airport. We get 50 miles north of Omaha. It is 31 degrees. That's how much and of falling. a temperature change. Yeah, yeah, and still <laughs> falling. And, and the next morning we wake up, it's minus, what, minus 16?
2: No, no, I think that first morning it was only like minus 7. Only minus seven, but yeah, so, so, you've seen, and, and it just happened overnight, all right, and, and they told us, I mean, they'd been watching the weather, Matt had said, you guys are fixing to hit the perfect storm, but here's where the biology comes into that, and why I knew that, because what did I just say earlier? Today, we have more ducks being produced in the prairie pothole region of the United States than we have in prairie Canada, Okay. We had had super moderate temperatures all fall along. So the birds had not left Canada yet that had been up there on the breeding ground. They'd had no reason to go. And the birds, you know, that had bred in the prairie pothole region of the United States, we were right on the southern edge of that. I mean, we are right there. So we were right on the southern edge of the most major breeding ground in North America when this huge front swept through and dropped temperatures, every duck, and there weren't any ducks below us because no real migration, you know, had occurred. uh, You know, they were really, really crying because in the northern part of Missouri and some areas like that, duck season was about to open and it had been so mild that just weren't any ducks. Uh, For those places there, you know, a little further north that opened really, really early. So all the birds were still on the breeding grounds. Now, overnight... Every duck in Canada gets pushed out. There's still open water and loads of food available there where we were in South Dakota. So we've got every duck produced on the prairies in North in, in the United States and Canada all concentrated right on top of us. And that's what occurred.
1: Let, Even though
2: we haven't do any let, better.
1: Let me ask you this, Jay Paul, because there was an old timer, and if you listen to the old timers that have been duck hunting for a long time, and I don't mean to call them old timers; it's just a nickname, no disrespect by saying that. But I, I was talking to a to an older gentleman, and he told me he 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 has about two thousand acres of WRP that he hunts, and it's grown up now. It's got flooded timber on it, and Anyway, he was telling me he's really involved with Delta Waterfowl, but he told me that sixty percent of the migration usually comes within two weeks plus or minus of Halloween. It's called the Halloween flight. I didn't know that till a, you know till a few years ago. Have you ever heard that before?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and here is the thing that you need. A lot of people don't realize too is uh, what triggers most puddle ducks migration. Do you what you guys know?
1: that it's photo. Everything's freed by the up. sun, length of the exactly. day.
2: Exactly. That's exactly the right.
1: Day?
0: You
2: know, everybody, everybody thinks photo migrators. Every and mallards are are probably the least of that. Uh, Blue wing teal are probably affected the most by that. Most ducks, the number one factor that influences their migration is the shortening of the days. Okay? That's why blue wing till season, you know, most of the time we have blue wings in Mississippi during the season because they're going just based on the shortening of the day and you can pretty accurately predict. Remember a couple years ago, Rocky, when we couldn't find a blue wing till uh in Mississippi during till season because it had been so unbelievably hot and that heat had extended way up into the northern U.S. and southern Canada.
1: Yes, I remember that well.
2: That that was a case of where climate trumped uh, the length of the day. The climate was the biggest factor in that. They just had you know it was still super warm, so they didn't even you know the birds didn't allow or weren't really pushed with any other factor. So photo migration was kind of trumped by, hey, you know, it's so super warm. The two of those things do have to act a little bit in combination, and we saw that there. But most of the time, most photo ducks, the number one factor is the length of days. So you can, you know, have time periods where you can predict and like that, and that's the reason why. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah especially with the teal.
2: Right. So going back to, you know, this old timer, was he a genius? Um, maybe, you know, but he understood, he recognized the phenomenon. And it occurred like that, but, you know, he could predict that in that time period because the length of the day was putting the birds there right then. And you can, you know, we used to see at Realfoot Lake the first week of December every year a big migration of gadwalls. It's changed a little bit because there are other influences factoring, you know, the gadwall or gray duck migration today, but um, they're photo migrators, so you just knew. And we still see it here in Tennessee. First week or so of December, we're going to have a lot of gadwalls and probably not a lot of mallards. And you see the same thing with birds down there in Mississippi, don't you, Rock?
1: Oh, yeah. Gadwall and teal are definitely the top two photo migrators by, you know, by the length of the day. But, so
2: don't you think that the phenomenon he was talking about is just linked to photo migration?
1: oh yes yes but listen here here's here's something neat you know i talked to I talked to a gentleman that hunts in central Kent, central Missouri last week. A lot of people know him um you know his Tony Vandemore, I was talking to him last week and we were talking about duck season and how it went for me and how it went for him. And he was talking about how it was another one of those phenomenon where climate didn't it was he was right there on that line. The ducks never left him last year. He 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 kept ducks the entire season and even weeks past, you know, he, he was supposed to not have ducks you know, toward the end of his season, which ends, I'm guessing, somewhere around the 1st of January. You know more about Missouri hunting than I do. When when would central Missouri be out?
2: <laughs> you know, there are three zones in Missouri. You've got north, central, and southern. And where Tony is, I don't know if he's on the south end of the north zone or the north edge of the central zone. But the yeah. north zone typically ends sometime. Um, around mid-December. I know this year, because I've got a buddy that's in the central zone, uh, he came over here and hunted with me on January the 7th, and they just closed, so it ended the first week of January. And then the south zone, which is just literally right across the river from where I'm sitting today here at Tiger Tail, it went this year all the way to the end of January. And uh, so so I would say that he, his season definitely had ended by the first week of January.
1: Yeah, but he, still I mean, had but birds he
2: because it was a mild year.
1: Well, he said, you know, the thing about it, the strange thing about the season for him was he didn't have a lot of birds to start out the year. But once the season got started, kicked off and going, he had the most birds he'd ever had. And the birds just stayed. They never left his place.
2: Didn't they never so
1: it? and, I, and you, know, you know I was tell I was just telling him what I experienced in Mississippi from you know it was my worst season that I've had in twenty years since being a guide, and anyway, he said, well, I know why he said they never left up here.
2: He knows you can't blow a duck call,
1: <laughs> that's it,
0: no, that's actually me,
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, Rocky. I ain't even gonna go there. <laughs> yeah, that is why though, and it's not that you can't blow that call, but you know you no. got all those birds north of you. And, and next week, you know, guys, let's take a little time. You know, Houston, you got that list for us that you want us to talk about every week. I think uh, next time let's talk a little bit about you know the migration and what does influence it. I think that'd be yeah, a really good topic for our guys.
1: That would be a good topic. Yeah. But I mean, but one of the things I want everybody to to understand when they listen to this podcast that it's not going to be it, we're going to be your buddies on the front porch at at duck camp. You know, we're going to talk about the things that you're talking about on Duck South or talking with you know with your buddies. Uh, you're going to find that we're all very opi- opinionated, and you're probably not going to no. like some of our opinions.
0: No, uh, that's right.
1: The only
2: thing thing that any two – the the only thing I've ever seen two of us agree on is that the third one is wrong.
1: (laughs) That's right. That is exactly right. Oh, God. We'll never talk about Alabama football unless Ole Miss Miss beats them for a third year in a row. Yeah, well,
2: whatever. (laughs) Man, Houston, you got anything else you want
0: to add, brother? No, one thing that we're going to definitely do is at the end of – Every podcast, we're going to try to create a page on the website. Look up ducksouthpodcast.com backslash one. So for episode number one, which is this one, it will be ducksouthpodcast.com backslash the number one. And we'll have different links to the articles that J-Paul talked about with the migration and then the framework. And then we may even try to find... Some information that Rocky was talking about with what did you call it? Rocky it was photo migration, is that right?
1: Yes, yeah, photo photo migrators.
0: Absolutely, photo migrators. So we're going to put that together for you guys. Wait Rocky, you that
1: way, Rocky, names- you know what that means.
2: You know what that means for you it, to- Rocky.
1: Yes. That means yes, that you can't
2: just be making stuff up off the top of your head because Houston's on there where you can. <laughs>
1: That's it,
0: and and one thing I think that we could probably all agree on that I just thought about is I'm going to add a place on there where people can ask questions and we can kind of talk about the topics that they want to hear about. So yeah, I think this that'll great give idea. us time to do research too so we can be prepared. And then maybe even some at some point we can get some of the the Duck South community on here with us as well as other people like Tony Vandermore, you know, just to talk about things that are happening in Missouri and maybe even do some fly ray reports. And so this is obviously our first podcast, but, man, I think it went fantastic. And I'll have the other stuff for everybody. Oh, yeah, I think it went great. But before we close out here, too, I do have to give
2: a couple of shout-outs to a couple of the folks that are on board and helping make this possible for us, Uh, my friends at Bear Animal Healthcare, makers of Advantage Multi, uh, the only 100% heartworm, the only 100% effective heartworm preventative that I have found Bad failures with everything else but putting that pause in there so you can edit this Rocky also before we wrap up here I want to uh, give a big shout out to a couple of the folks that are helping us make this happen my friends at bear animal healthcare makers of advantage multi um, in our experience it is the only 100% effective heartworm preventative here in the Mississippi flyway and we really appreciate their support and also the the guys at hardcore brands man they're making some tremendous products that I love uh, as a dog trader this week i got my hands on a hardcore dog cave and really neat product i've used a lot of different dog hides in the field when hunting out a layout blind but i really like the hardcore dog cave because it's big enough that my dog can get in it and be comfortable, but still small enough and with the shape that you know it's easy to hide. Comes in Advantage Max 5, which fits in great here at the rice fields here at Tiger Tail that we hunt out of, makes it really easy to hide there. But also, it has a snow cover available, and you know it's really easy to find snow covers for layout blinds, but not always for the dog blind. So, the guys hardcore they were thinking ahead. They made a snow cover for the dog cave, and it has the same footprint as their dog stand, which I don't have one of those yet, but I'm going to be getting my hands on one this week, and I can't wait to see it because it will integrate with the dog hide, the dog cave. So if you need to get it up out of the water, there is a stand available to put it on. And a pretty neat product. You guys like me that hunt with dogs out there from Hardcore.
0: I'll definitely right, yeah. put a link to that too. That way people can yep. read up on the on Advantage Multi, which is what I use on my Labrador, and I'll also put a link to the dog cave as well so people can find out more about that too. Yeah. All right. It's we, a good
1: we, job yeah, I, yeah, we look we gotta hurry up and go. Houston's gotta go hunt Pokemon.
0: Oh, oh my, god. my god, I'm <laughs> sick of that. Oh my god. <laughs> I saw the literally saw a take on the Today Show, I've been on vacation and a kid literally, like the police officers are like trying to arrest somebody for DUI, and then a kid hits the DUI's car that hits the police officer's car, and the kid goes, I'm not drunk, I'm playing Pokemon Go, I should never have been playing it while I was driving, I'm sorry, it's my fault. And he and he literally holds his phone out of the window, and the police body cam picks up on it. It's Pokemon Go, I'm like, you're an idiot. What is, all right, all
2: right, so we got to go, but for next time... You got to include that on your list of topics because Pokemon Pokemon man that sounds like some kind of kinky sex game or something I don't know
0: I want to hear about all it right. you got All one. right All right All
1: right So <laughs> hold on I, I mean I've heard of people losing their jobs over doing this stupid idiotic thing Just real quick what is it
0: It's basically it? Okay so it's like Google Maps so you have a GPS right Right Literally all Nintendo did was create an application, like an iPhone app, that dropped little animals. Or Pikachu is one of them. That's the only reason why I know I thought that's what that guy was trying to swat or run over or something. Literally, they I thought Peekaboo them. was was an alpine skier. Yeah, well, I mean, I think she dated... Did she date Tiger Woods? Anyway, shut up, <laughs> there's another dollar. And so, $2 for the day.
2: Pikachu, Pikachu, Pikachu is okay. All right, go ahead. I'm it's talking, a little yellow monster.
0: So anyway, they basically just dropped a bunch of GPS coordinates all over the world, and if you walk up holding your iPhone that's in GPS mode, which is in an application, you like flip the screen or flick the screen or something and throw little red balls at them till you knock them out. I guess I don't know. The coolest thing I wow. saw was a USB fighter knock somebody out. Ran and got one of them, and rolled it at the guy's feet while he was out cold, and did this little Power Rangers motion, and it was all over ESPN. So that's all I know about it.
1: Oh my God! Oh. What, what what is wrong with our world?
0: That's why we oh, need more boy. people shooting ducks.
1: Listen, or less you know, you... <laughs> maybe less people. You're definitely gonna <laughs> you're gonna get sick of my opinionated opinions on subjects like this because that's, you know,
2: I, oh I'm just my goodness. Way, I'm way too, da- I'm just way too damn old, I guess. I mean, cause <laughs> that is so far out of my wheelhouse, you know, may, and maybe the average truck hunter here <sighs> doesn't know about Pokemon go, but I am, I am, I am as lost as last year's Easter egg when it comes to that stuff.
1: I, you know, I'm not a avid Facebook user. I'll, I'll, probably keep up with more Twitter than I do Facebook, but anyway, I've been on Facebook a couple of times, a few times over the past week, and it's been all over my Facebook, so I just threw that in there, and I'm sorry. That that got thrown into our first podcast. Oh my gosh.
0: Let's end it now before it gets worse. Nobody ever listens again.
2: Oh my gosh. Facebook and Instagram already make me feel stupid. Hearing about things like Pokemon Go on your Google Maps GPS makes me,
0: and not having
2: a clue makes me feel really dumb.
0: Well, you totally got it wrong in that segment when you're trying to talk about it right then, too, so it's all good.
1: All right. well, I don't even know what I got wrong. (laughs) Join us next time for the next On the X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. See you guys later. See you later, brother. Hey, J. Paul, Paul, hey, do it's the ending there. real quick. Do the ending real quick. Three, are
0: two. And we're all going we to say see you later, see see you guys next week, or see you guys next yeah. time
1: would probably be more appropriate. See, yeah, yeah, see you next time. Okay. Go ahead, J. Paul. Three, two.
2: Hey, guys, guys, look, we really do got to wrap this thing up. So, Houston, you've got our list there. Next time, we definitely are going to talk about what influences the migration when it comes to waterfowl, and then I'm going to go online and study this Pokemon Go stuff and try to learn a little bit more so I don't get it wrong, and let's talk about it. And with that, guys, we got to go. Houston, to you, 15 seconds, anything you want to add in closing?
0: I'm excited. I think this is something that people will really enjoy, and we're looking forward to you guys listening. If you need anything, you can – you can catch us online, dugsouthpodcast.com. All right, and Rocky, you sounded
2: excited, by the way, Houston.
0: Rocky, <laughs> 15 seconds. That's the most, most
1: exciting sounded all day.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> it all had right, something Rocky, to do with 15 15 the left seconds. Seconds. You know, this thing out.
1: Hey, look, the only thing that I want to throw in there real quick is two weeks from today, uh, Houston, J. Paul and I will be at the wildlife extravaganza in Jackson, Mississippi. A lot of you guys that are listening to this podcast, we'll be going to the wildlife extravaganza in Jackson. Stop by, shake our hands, talk to us. We'll give you a water. We'll give you some breath mints to walk the rest of the way. <laughs> so stop, stop by and talk to us. We would love to meet you face to face.
2: And also we're going to be actually doing our podcast that Sunday while we're there. So, uh, They can actually see us in action there. Listen, Rocky, Houston, first time around, man, it has been a blast. I've enjoyed this tremendously. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it too. And and more importantly, I hope you'll keep coming back to the On the X podcast powered by Doug Sout. Hey, I'm home, that's Nipsey.